Welcome to the Geek Bits Podcast with your hosts, Mike, David, and Craig. Hey everybody, we're here again for episode six of the Geek Bits podcast, and uh, today we were talking about um, BBSs and growing up without the internet. So before the internet, there was a thing called a bulletin board system, which was a computer. which 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 only us nerds knew about. <laughs> yeah, which was not mainstream at all, like the internet was. I mean, the internet was a nerdy thing when it started, but. BBSs were kind of this niche thing with uh, just geeks. So you guys want to talk a little bit about your experiences with BBSs, or should we go into, like, how they worked and, you know, you know that's what they a, did? Because that's, not everybody may be familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And, and you know, I, I think what we should do is is exactly that. Is let's, let's take just two or three minutes and explain what a BBS actually was. Right. Um, and uh, in fact, David, you're probably you're the most qualified to, to do that. So you want to? Yeah. Okay. So basically you had your computer. It didn't have to be a computer. It could have just been a terminal, but most people used a computer with a terminal program on it, which emulates a terminal. And then um, you would use the phone lines and a modem to call another computer. And that computer in most cases had one modem and one phone line. And uh, it would send you text data that you could interact with uh, over the modem. And that computer was not networked to anything else. It was literally like whatever's on that computer is all you have. And if that computer were busy, like if another user was on it, you would simply get a busy signal when you tried to call it. So you wouldn't mm-hmm. even be able to connect. But generally, we'd just call a different BBS, uh, you know, if we were want- wanting to connect with something. Yeah. And call waiting was a whole other problem we'll talk about yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so... Um, and ex- explain a modem, because um, phone lines back then were analog, so yeah. they, they sent a sound wave, or essentially the equivalent yeah. of a sound wave, over an electrical line, basically. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't terribly fast back then. Um, I'm, text was okay, uh, you know, a 300-baud modem, which is what we started off with. I could just about type as fast as it could send the data to the other computer. And then, of course, as the modems got faster, we got eventually 1,200 baud. And compression. So there, there were kind of two yeah. things. The, the modems got yeah. faster and we got compression. <laughs> yeah. Which helped dramatically. But as an example of how slow they were, um, like if we wanted to download a game for our Commodore 64, um, especially on a 300 baud modem, I think it would take, I want to say like seven or eight hours and could to you, download a whole disk. I never yeah. tried downloading any files when I used BBSs, but... If you got interrupted, there was no pickup where you left off. So right? in, in the in, in the beginning, there was no recovery mechanism, and yeah. later with with uh, they had protocols like Z modem yep. and things like that that added recovery. Uh, but yeah, gotcha. in, the, in, in the in the original like X modem protocols, for example, if if you if your parents picked up the phone, you were it would you were done. It was over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, Greg this is, is holding almost, up a modem. <laughs> yeah. So Mike just had this. Uh, floating around here, I have almost the same box. I had a 300 baud modem, but so the you know people on YouTube can see this. But um, yeah, this was like the first you know almost exactly the first modem mm-hmm. I used, and just would plug into the computer, and then you had to plug the phone line into the modem, so and it would translate so, between digital and analog. I actually have a funny story about this modem, and I guess since you pulled it out, I'll tell it real fast. So um, 
I this was the modem that I coveted. Like like I wanted this modem so bad when I was a kid because we had the three hundred baud modem, right? Mm-hmm. And we couldn't afford it. We were we weren't all that well to do, and um, barely were lucky enough just to have the three hundred baud modem we had. And um, so we had gotten this friend of ours to Roy Roy Livingston. Oh my God, we just we just outed him. Yeah, oh Roy gosh. Livingston. So um, Roy, if you're out there, maybe I'll bleep it. In email the, in one the... of us. <laughs> the post i don't know but he helped us acquire a modem through think some nefarious means and um anyway so i had wanted that modem but how so did you get a 1200 baud modem and i only got a 300 baud modem i think i paid more money <laughs> i don't remember i didn't I pay really anything don't. he just oh, no I it was a for it. it was a scam thing with a receipt or something and yeah. i was like la 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 i don't yeah, know he delivered it to me through my bedroom window at like three in the morning and god that yeah. guy was uh yeah. creepy he was so but anyway l- long story short so um i Saw this, I found out they had old, this is an old stock modem. So this was like originally, when I got it, it was still shrink wrapped and everything Mm -hmm. was, so I bought it off of uh, eBay and I got it. And it's one of those moments in your life and and, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you've ever experienced it. But I opened this box, like I opened it when I was a kid. Right. And it's like all of the 1980s smells were still in this box. Oh my God. So when I, and it's gone now. But when I open it, well, maybe it's not. Let's 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 actually open it. Yeah, it's gone. So <laughs> when I opened it, it smelled like 1980s and all of the memories of opening. Like, was it the paper or the electronics? No, the electronics and the plastics. The electronics and the plastics. Yeah. So opening this, like, just flashed through my head of all these memories of a kid that I had completely forgotten about just because of that smell. It was really bizarre. <laughs> I <laughs> can only true. imagine if I'd have been uh, high or something. Right. <laughs> The effects that that would have had, but, but yeah, so, um, not to get too far off of it, but, but yeah, so there was, there was no recovery method. If your parents picked up the phone while you were downloading, it was done. Um, same thing if you had call waiting on your phone, which we did as kids, um, then the phone would actually interrupt the signal of the modem and go like, doot, click like that to let you know that there was another call coming in. Well, that completely obliterated the signal of the modem. And sometimes it would, like sit there and jitter for a minute and it would pick back up and keep going. But I'd say about 75% of the time it just hang up and that would be the end. I think yeah. towards the end of that era, we actually found that there was like a prefix you could dial star something that would disable. Star call 72, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, disable. disable that yeah. so that you could have an uninterrupted call. So anyway, um, there were, you know, we use the term BBS, which obviously stands for bulletin board system. But of course they did a lot more than just... Um, you know, boards. <laughs> they did have those and, and, you know, you could log on, there would be a whole list of topics that other people that call that particular bulletin board have been, you know, conversing about, but it's a really slow, like compared to today, it's a really slow thing because you might post a reply there and then you might have to wait a day or two before well, somebody, weeks. yeah, before somebody else would call that exact same bulletin board and leave a message and leave a reply yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to yeah. that. Uh, but we did have multi-line chat boards. And there were a number of them here in the DFW area. Um, one of the original ones that we called was RMAC. Yep. And that ran on Apple II. I didn't actually know it ran on Apple IIs at the time, but I actually found that out later. And it only ran at 300 baud. Mm-hmm. But that was fine because it was just for chatting. And I think they had like, I want to say eight or 16 lines. Now, the thing is they wanted you to pay. This was a pay service, uh, but they would let anybody on for like, a few minutes, I think, and then they would just like log you off if you weren't a paying member. That way, you kind of and if get... you paid, like they enticed you to pay because you could. There was like a slash command where you could type like slash asterisk or slash other things. I forget exactly what the commands were, 
but if you paid, you could like boot other people. You could boot people who were not paying. Um, so, um, like, if there was somebody that made you mad, you kind of so had a little god it, mode. They did, going on. and I remember paying. I somehow got mom or dad to pay um, for a month subscription just so I could sit there and boot people <laughs> that weren't paying. And so, yes, I, I do. I did. I did play around yeah. with the pay, pay mode. So, yeah, of course, it was. Um, the thing is, even with these multi-line chat BBSs, um, they were still people from our local area because mm-hmm. people weren't going to call long distance. Uh, because that, that would cost been, money. Yeah, it would have been very expensive. Nobody had cell phones like this, you know, like Yeah, and in fact, that was true of all BBSs. Uh, you know, most of the people calling it were local to your area. And you could always, like, you could converse with somebody and you could you could talk about, oh, the mall on whatever street. And they would know what you're talking about because yeah. they live in this area. They all do. And and so that, <clears throat> that was so something. So it was a digital community that was still tied to local geography. Right. Exactly. Which is very, very different so. from the Internet. Today. Exactly. Today, you're likely to be talking to somebody on the other side of the planet without even realizing without it. Without even realizing it, yeah. Now, I didn't, yeah. don't think I told you guys, I recently dialed into a BBS a couple of times, like maybe just a few months back. Uh, hadn't done it in years, but there are still BBSs. You can, of yeah. course, you can call them over the internet, but you can uh, dial them. Now, um, we're all on digital phone lines, so... Sometimes things, the text gets mm-hmm. garbled or something like that. And apparently there's workarounds, like you could use DSL filters if you could find one of those. Yeah, or, there's um, any number of them now that you can just uh, tell that or SSH to. Right, um, you can still do that yeah. from the internet. But I actually dialed in using my phone line, using a 300 wow. baud modem. <laughs> wow. Heard it answer. And then you could, um, when you sign in, you do not sign in with your, um, your username. You sign in with a number. Can you guess? I, I am just speculating here based on my programming background on why you sign in with the number and not with the name. Um, you know, I vaguely remember that. I, I, actually, I'm, I you're bringing back some memories for me, Craig, I don't, and I'm trying to remember. I don't actually know, but what, I, what I'm speculating is because you'd probably be using a computer kind of like uh, the like, Amiga yeah, over the here Amiga or the Commodore 64, there, yeah. and it would use disk drives, which right. were slow and, and clunky. And it would they, take a while for it to probably uh, cross-reference the username with an actual user yeah. number. Right, like where it is on disk. So yeah. it probably using a number was closer to like an array or a memory address yeah. or something. I, that's, that's just my guess on why case. you have yeah. to log in using the ID number. I'm like, why is this? I'm like, I'm back in the 80s. Like, of course it works this way. Like, <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. I'd forgotten all about that. But now that you mentioned it, I do remember having to remember different ID numbers for different bulletin board systems. And I don't even know what you would do if you forgot your ID number. Was there a way to... I think there was a way to, to look it look up. It up. I, I feel yeah. like there was. You had to send a letter with a stamp and like yeah, to, the, yeah. to the BBS <laughs> admin or whatever. And So I, w- I wanted to mention something that a lot of people might not know is uh, the experience of calling a BBS was very different between different architectures of computer. Uh, as an example, uh, we, we grew up using the Commodore, and, you know, Commodore has this, you know, Petsky graphics and 16 colors, and so there's actually, you know, a, a, a one-byte command to change the color or uh, put one of those little graphics characters on the screen, and so BBSs took advantage of this. And and for those that don't know, those those graphics are actually available on the keyboard keys of the. And I'll put a picture on the video, but uh, actually available on the keyboard keys, so you could type them back to the bulletin board system. Yeah. 
and uh, and right, they're the literally and a character replacement. So mm -hmm. instead of typing yeah. a letter A, you might have like a, a squiggly or a curve mm -hmm. or an, um, a heart or something yeah, like right. that. But the point is, when you would log into a Commodore BBS, you would often get some kind of little logo or picture that had been drawn in these Petsky color graphics, and the menus would be very colorful. Uh, and, you know, like you'd clearly be able to see uh, differentiations between like the descriptions of the commands and what the, the actual commands, you know, like, you know, oh, push F for file downloads or whatever. And it, it was all really nice and beautiful. And of course, each BBS was different. However, they wanted to set theirs up. They had their own artistic style and everything. Um, IBM, MS-DOS machines also had ANSI color graphics, which kind of did the same thing, although they were less efficient because it often took like four or five characters, like you'd have an escape sequence yeah. in order to change a color or something like that. So it wasn't as fast as uh, like the, the way Commodores did it. But most computers like Apple IIs and Macintoshes and, and uh, any CPM machines and any of that kind of stuff, they just used standard ASCII. And, the, uh, and those... So like A through Z and one through, one through zero. Yeah. Yeah. No color. They didn't even, uh, in the early days, those machines didn't even have like a way to reposition the cursor or clear the screen. Mm -hmm. It literally so it just, just kept scrolling up. It just kept scrolling up like a teletype. Uh, and, and so, you know, it was not very pretty. And it, uh, and, and like I said, I just, I never called Apple. I mean, like as a Commodore user, I could call an Apple BBS and put my, my computer into ASCII mode, but it was like, it was so bland and it was so annoying to use when I was so accustomed to Commodore BBSs. Uh, but an Apple user, on the other hand, would not be able to call a Commodore BBS and get the color graphics. They um, could still call it, but they they'd could have still to call stay in ASCII. It, but it would be presented to them in an ASCII yeah. form. Right. All, and, and of the, all of the, uh, the special characters and colors would be removed. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I, I feel kind of lucky to have grown up with the Commodore BBSs because... Uh, yeah, I, f I kind of feel sorry for the people who grew up using Apple or <laughs> or, or some other kind of, you know. Oh, uh, the hate yes, mail that we're going to yeah. get over this Oh, yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> them, them fighting words, son. <laughs> I, all my Atari friends are going to oh, have the uh, torches and pitchforks. And... So I wanted to – so so before we before we make kind of more of the comparison to and how, it, how that kind of evolved, because I want to talk about some Fidonets and things like that here in a little bit, but um, there was this, like – and I, I mentioned this in one of the other podcasts we did. Maybe it was, I, I can't remember which one. But um, but I had this sort of second life, and not to, pun not intended there, but <laughs> for the game, second life. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, um, I had this sort of second life as a kid, and I would get on uh, bulletin board systems like every single night. Um, and sometimes I would stay up till two in the morning. Um, and sometimes it would be on the, the, the chat board, just chatting back and forth with people. Um, sometimes it would be downloading files. A lot of times it would just be typing messages into the, um, into the bulletin board and talking to other people through the kind of the message based bulletin system. Um, a lot of times it was reading stuff cause there was all of this information that was available on BBS in addition to yeah. the, um, the, the, the games and stuff that you could download. So there was this thing called like the, 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 uh, what was it called? The, are you talking about the anarchist cookbook? The anarchist cookbook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so and I would read how to build bombs or fuses. Or, right. Know, like there was all we this. We thought we were so oh, cool. Oh my gosh! Like, and you know what's funny? Half that shit didn't work. <laughs> oh like, really? I never oh, tried yeah. to do anything. I was so, just like, so Slater and I, um, and I can't tell you who this guy is. Uh, because of his current career. Yep, but, yeah. Mind but, your uh, piece of keys. We uh, we actually 
made, uh, he had rabbits in his backyard. And so he had poop galore, right? Right. And so we tried to use the, the, the guide to make uh, uh, gunpowder out of the rabbit poop, which is exactly what it explained how to do. Right. It didn't work at all. Like we, and we tried it four or five times. And now I've, I've read it again since, since then. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sure there were some things we did wrong, but I also know it would never work. <laughs> like the way yeah. they explain it's not. Well, like the blotto box. The blotto box yeah. is another what one. What was the blotto box? So, so the blotto <laughs> box was you were supposed to be able to hook two wires up to your phone and like blow your whole neighborhood's phone system out. Like, like oh. everybody's phone in the entire block would go down. And the, the reality of that is, is that if you had enough current to do that, it would just melt the wires going to your phone. <laughs> Right. That would be the end of it. I mean, it's uh, yeah. That it's, was that was total fiction. But there was some stuff in there that was real, like the you know how to make thermite and oh, uh, yeah. a variety of things like that. Absolutely, um, and a lot of the hacking stuff was actually real. Like there was how yeah. to make blue boxes and and that kind of stuff in there. And it, they learned about the Captain Crunch, you know, whistle. And of course, a lot of that stuff didn't didn't work. But it didn't work for the re- for different reasons. It didn't work because the phone companies had already fixed all of that by the time we learned about yeah, it. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, so there was like this whole second life that I had as a kid where I was constantly talking and conversing with other people and, and, you know, my parents didn't actually know anything about that. And if they did, they didn't even really understand it. And so, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but if, if I had been a really like, you know, gullible kid and I I could have been involved in a, you know, a child molestation ring and never, never even have known it. They would have never even have known it because... Um, yeah, I've had, had that talk with both my kids. Like, don't trust anybody on the internet. Don't assume their yeah. age or their gender or anything like and that. And I'm sure that there were, luckily, I probably just never encountered one, but I'm sure there were predators back then that, that you know, we just didn't know about. There probably yeah. were, but I doubt there were very many because it was such a niche thing mm-hmm. that uh, they would have had to have been familiar with that technology and whatnot. Yeah, but, but I, um, I do feel like a lot of times predators, like, seek out those niche technologies and things because that's where they find their... Right. But anyway, Perhaps. that's uh, that's they probably that's... knew little nerdy kids on BBSs already have low self esteem and stuff like that, so <laughs> yeah, you know, well, there yeah. weren't exactly a lot of girls on, on BBSs, yeah. there were a few here and there, but the vast majority, yeah, were, yeah. Were and males. for any of the, the, the younger kids that are listening to this, uh, I, we always have to say this when we were nerds in, in, the, in the late 70s and early 80s, there was there, this was not cool. Like today, you're you know you got all these little cute girls playing games and streaming it on Twitch and stuff. Girls back then, if you played video games, they wanted nothing to do with you. I mean, it was a completely well, and, different world. You yeah. know, programming. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a software engineering manager, and um, software engineering is still a male dominated industry. Um, I have a few um, women programmers that are great and work for me, and um, they're awesome. But yeah, back then it was like it was very. Um, structured especially where we grew up in mansfield but very traditional roles for men and women and it's like you know the way what my wife described it growing up electronics and computers that was boy science biology that could be girl science maybe you know yeah yeah Um, i've heard that exact analogy every single commercial advertising like if you look on uh, at some of the old commercials advertising Commodores and Ataris and stuff like that, they always showed a 12-year-old boy yep. using it because now, they knew that was the target audience. No, some of them I did see that like a, there would be like a little girl using it. You know, there'd be like an educational thing and the boy and the girl would be using it together, like a brother and sister or something, which was like, is actually kind of surprising. So that, I did see a couple of exceptions to that. Yeah. But I didn't know any uh, girls in middle school or high school that used computers, just a weird thing, which is odd because the first computer programmers were all women, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that yeah. was, yeah. The, the industry started that way and then suddenly it's like, 
oh, they're making any money. We can make gonna, some money at this. Yeah, we're going to dominate yeah. it with men, or something. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how that switch happened exactly <laughs> historically, but oh yeah. But regardless, all the BBSs were dominated like by ninety five percent. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, boys so, and men and, and whatnot. So I think kind of the point I wanted to make, and then I want to kind of move on to the next phase, is that the um, that I had a pretty big social life as a kid that my parents had no yeah. idea, you know, right? right. I, like, I knew hundreds and hundreds of people by their, by name and chatted with them every day on, on bulletin boards and things like that. And, and, um, you know, I mean, I had lots of, you know, normal Actually, friends like you. And, right. I tried to explain this to them on a number of occasions because when they would pick up the phone and, and cause me to lose my connection, um, I tried to explain to them, like, you just, you just severed my connection. And they're like, well, who cares? You're just talking to a computer and I would explain to them, well, no, there's other real people on there I was having a conversation with. You just you just basically hung me up you and just, talking to like right. six other took the real phone out life, of my hand and hung it up. You know? Right. And because they didn't because there was no voice there, the, as far as they were concerned, it just it, it wasn't yeah, an I, issue. You I know? wonder if my mom would have been a little horrified that I was calling BBSs and communicating no, that's with exactly, other adult That is exactly people. the point that I was tr- was trying to make earlier is is you know like my parents would have been absolutely flipped out if they had understood what I was actually doing. Yeah, my parents as a had no clue. Kid. They had no idea. They had no idea. And 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 luckily, it, it all turned out okay, and everything's great, right? But right. it is it it is kind of you know like I always wonder. I, I wonder sometimes like you know what are my kids into that I you know oh, yeah. disconnected from and don't know you know like Snapchat yeah. or something, right? Um, okay, so. BBSs, like David mentioned, they they started out as this, you know, one computer and one modem calls a, another computer with its modem, and then there was these chat boards, obviously that were that maybe had like ten modems or something on a single computer, and multiple people could call in and chat. But later on, they figured out that hey, these computers that are hosting these bulletin board systems can actually call each other, no human needed. And you think, well, that's kind of pointless, but it's not because what they did was they would exchange information. And so what you could have is you could have a bulletin board system and you could have all these topics. And this eventually evolved, for those who already know where I'm going, this eventually evolved into like what they call FidoNet, right? But this is, I'm talking about the very early stages of it. And so what would happen is you might have these, you know, five or six topics on this bulletin board system. And at 3 a.m., that bulletin board system would call somebody else who was running a similar package software and send you all of its posts, and then that computer would send you all of its posts. So the next day, all of those bulletin boards would be updated where they would all be shared. Mm. And so it was like it was like the like if you think about a forum today, but like think imagine imagine where there were like ten different forums, and but yours wouldn't have all the posts until tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> but know, it also right? could do email. So emails, that's right. Right. So in the past, like you could email another user on a particular BBS. But they could only get that email if they logged on in. that same BBS, right? But then when FireNet came along, then it would also like you could have a, a very unique address, and BBSs would would forward yeah. it through each other, almost like the post post office would do. Yep, and it might take a little while. It might it might yeah. take days sometimes for that for the right two systems to connect together to get that email you know yeah. moved down the chain. But they were essentially early networked computers. You they now were. had a network of computers yeah. all talking to each other. And it, I mean, it's funny how a lot of this hasn't changed. Like it reminds me a little bit of it, like a distributed database kind of yeah. thing. Like, or or um, uh, what do you call it? A um, I can't believe they're going to take away my nerd card at work. Um, 
like a CDN, Content Delivery oh, yeah. Network, yeah. where it's like, well, we put this in in one server, and now it's going to get distributed to all these other all servers the to be yeah. more geographically close, which is probably why they were doing it with the same thing with Bytonet. Like, probably part of the advantage was I can well, be in New York and call a local computer um, to send and receive email, but then at night it'll sync all that up maybe so, with the Texas. So the the yes, BBS. and so what? Yeah, exactly. So what would happen? Is you know you would want to communicate with somebody in New York, but it's a you know it's a ten cent a minute you know or whatever twelve cents a minute back then um, connection to, to call. So, but it was long distance rates were cheaper at different times of the days, and right. so at three a.m. they could make a call for maybe three cents a minute and trade all those files real fast, and then take that connection back offline. And then, you know, th th that was kind of like this nightly batch job. <laughs> right, <know>. right. <laughs> what, about what year was this when this was taking place? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you I want to say like 1990, 91. Okay. I think Fidonet came out. I'm pretty sure Fidonet came out in the late 80s. Like 80. Because I ran a Fidonet node on my PC at Absher. So that would have had to have been in the late 80s. Well, I didn't get a PC until... Uh -huh. Like 1990 or or later, possibly. Uh, Cry me a there. river. I didn't get a PC yeah. until 1996, and this bastard's yeah. the one that helped well, me get it. So <laughs> it was already so, running Windows 95. Um, you know, that's maybe awesome. that's why I wasn't familiar with FidoNet because I was still calling Commodore bulletin boards up to that point, and Commodore bulletin boards didn't have FidoNet. Yeah. Now I take that back. And and, and um, you have to remember too, FidoNet was kind of a of a, a, a long. Um, it, just, it 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 was didn't like the It was like yeah. the amalgamation of 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 you know, the, that system, but there were other systems before that that did the same thing Yeah, or similar, like now, bits and pieces. Of it. Now I was actually calling some ANSI BBSs using my Commodore 128 um, or in the late eighties uh, because I had a DES term, which yeah. any of the Commodore users will be familiar with because it would actually allow you to call an, an ANSI in 80 columns and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, actually, there was one other thing I was going to mention that I used to call, and, and this was the only time uh, our dad ever wanted to use my computer hmm. because uh, we had the, uh, well, I guess we still have it. It was a, a, a newspaper called the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Mm -hmm. They had Star-Text. They had a, a bulletin board system called Star-Text, and it was a multi-line system, so, you know, typically you're not going to get a busy signal. They had multiple modems and whatnot. I don't know what it actually ran on. But when you called it, uh, it actually offered free services for a number of things, including uh, you could uh, access the encyclopedia, which sometimes I use for my homework because it was actually faster oh, for nice. me to do that and type in something, and then I would get like an article on my computer screen. It so was, there was kind of a rudimentary search system. You could at least put in like a topic yeah. or alphabetically yeah. or something like that. And it like would that. search and give you several you different can, articles. I think you could only search the index, if I remember right. But that was still light years ahead. Oh, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but they also offered access to a lot of the newspaper information, including the classified ads. So my dad was always shopping for cars. So he would come in and say, hey, son, can you um... – well, he never called me son. But you know what I mean? But anyway. He, he would always walk in my room and go, hey, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so I imagine he went in your room and go, hey, David. Yeah. So he'd, he'd want me to, to connect my computer to StarTech so that he could uh... – now, he wouldn't do it himself. He would stand over your shoulder. He'd stand over my shoulder and tell me what he wanted, and I would look for, like, Cars, like I would type So this in. was a text translation of the newspaper yeah. onto the BBS Correct. as like an article with the same yeah. classified ads and things like that. And it was up to date. I mean, like, in fact, it was actually, wow. you know, you could you could see the ads and sometimes before the paper even printed. Yeah, that's why a lot 
lot of people like to use star text. Um, again, if, if, if you're thinking this is like classified ads in the back of the paper, right? right? So people like to use star text because the paper might come out tomorrow with the new ads in it. But at seven o'clock the next, the, the previous day that night, you know, right? You could already see the ads. And so like there might be something you're shopping for. You'd be the first one to, to get yep. to it. Who would have thought like Forward <laughs> Texas would have had something that sophisticated in yeah. the late 80s? Like, yeah, that's I don't pretty even know amazing. if Dallas had something similar or not. See, I, but, I never used a BBS. I never used something like that for encyclopedias or classifieds or any. Pretty much I just talked to people and played games. Like that was mm -hmm. it. Like. <laughs> um, so I like I feel like I missed out a little yeah. bit on some of the benefits that BBS has had at the time. In fact, well, I know there was one time he actually called on a classified ad, and the guy was confused. He's like, "Well, the ad hasn't even run yet. How did you? Where did you see this?" <laughs> and he had to tell him he it was on the. the of course, the guy didn't know he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, had no computer. idea what that meant. Just said it was on the computer, you know, or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Of course, this was all before eBay and Craigslist, so that was right. you know that's how you sold stuff back then was with classified ads. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was and and then you know it's it's it still had all the same old problems though where people said they were coming and then never showed up. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody's upgraded uh, human behavior. No, yet, so no as far as we can all. tell, not at all. <laughs> Then moving on from that, so they finally figured out and said, hey, you know, we can start connecting these systems. Well, pretty soon um, there was um, several systems, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the dang company was, but there was the one, Galacticom. There was this company that wrote BBS software called Galacticom, yeah. and they got this great idea that they could start linking their bulletin board systems together. Now, the internet was already a thing by this time, but it was really mostly just like colleges and things like that that were connected together. Uh, but I, I want to keep this in the in the context of bulletin boards, so I'm not I'm not saying that, that that this created the internet. Just to be clear, right? No, Al Gore did that. Yeah, okay. that's right. Al Gore <laughs> did that. So, uh, but Galacticom and there were some other software, but PBS softwares that got the idea that they could stay connected all the time. So you would dedicate a phone line um, that would stay connected to another mm. Galacticom BBS in the background, and so they were always trading information. So you might actually be logged on to one BBS. David might be logged on to another, but we could still chat with each other because mm -hmm. they had a back-end dial-up connection. Between In fact, you could daisy-chain them. And you could daisy-chain them. That's and, right. Uh, I remember, so you could hop from one BBS yeah. to the well, other. Well, not exactly, but like you would go into a chat room and what it would show is like all the local people on your BBS, it would show uh, their text just like you would normally see it. But then if somebody was on a different BBS it would show like a little parentheses in front of their name saying that they were on whatever uh, BBS that they yeah. were connected to. Like with Microsoft, you would, uh, that was a local BBS here to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It had like 16 lines or something like that. And if, you know, you go into a chat room and uh, if, if somebody was connected to Microsoft, it would just look like it always did. But when Microsoft happened to sometimes be connected to another Galacticon BBS, it would show little parentheses in front of anybody's text who was connected to a different so you kind of knew, like, look, they're not at, local on on the same same bulletin board that I'm on. But yeah. at the same time, it was a live connection, and uh, I remember the one time, and I was so excited about it because uh, I was probably in like uh, ninth grade, and I had just started taking German class, and they um, Microsoft for whatever reason connected to this uh, uh, Galacticon BBS named uh, Galaxy, I think. That, that had to cost a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they were connected for so, like two or three hours, and so wow. uh, there were all these German guys on there talking, and it was all live. And we, you know, it was my first time to actually be able to talk to people um, 
in another country without making some kind of ridiculously expensive phone call. So you're typing messages back yeah. and forth to, to, to Germany, essentially. Yeah. To well, you're, you're typing messages back and forth. Just to be really clear about this, you're typing messages back and forth to your local bulletin board. Right. And then their software is, is, is making a connection to that other bulletin board and sending your messages back and forth to it to share with their users and vice versa. Right. right. So it was kind of a rudimentary internet, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. But it was that that was the very first time I was ever able to communicate live with another person uh, outside of my own area, particularly especially overseas. outside of our country. Yeah. You know, right? And I was so excited about that. Of course, it's commonplace today. Nobody even thinks anything of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, but back yeah. then that was like really it cool. It was like a really big deal. A really yeah. big deal. Well, um, so let's let's kind of move on into the to the actual internet itself. Well, before we oh, do that, sorry. I'd just like to touch on the one thing I actually used BBSs for, because you guys got a lot more use out of oh, them man. than I did. <laughs> but uh, the one game I remember playing a lot of oh, was what we talked going. about earlier. Was um, It was called AD&DC, which I yes. think stood for Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons and Castles. That's how they differentiated, I guess, from <laughs> the official Dungeons so & Dragons. Get, uh, sued. Yeah. But it was a very Dungeons & Dragons-style uh, game game on a BBS. You guys knew I was going to involve Dungeons & Dragons course, in this podcast at some point. <laughs> wasn't going to like go without. But um, you could dial in. You could only dial in three times a day. If you died I or got disconnected. That. That's, right. That's right. If you if you got killed or in the game or you got disconnected because of call waiting somebody or your mom picking up the telephone, you lost your connection. You lost one of your three tries, right? Um, but it was a text adventure style thing and it had a, a map and I mean you didn't you didn't see the map. It wasn't like Ultima or now, video game. Could you but it pay was, to, to get more tries? I, that I don't know. I, I don't know. That was monetized somehow, and I can't It seems that. like it should have been. Yeah. And so I played it on my Commodore 64, and I loved that thing, but it just frustrated me that I would get killed or something would happen. I would get to play it so little. Yeah. And so you would it would tell you there was, like, grass to the north, and you would go there, and there'd be monsters you could fight. But I think... Um, it also had the option to interact with other players. It did. So it, it did. must have been multi, a multi-line BBS. And the players wouldn't necessarily kill you or fight with you unless I think you could go to an arena, an arena. or something. Yeah. But you would see them going through the game like, you know, uh, Bobby M42 would, you know, went north to the plains or something like that. I think it had something, you know, really basic like that. Again, this is all text. There's no graphics. It's just kind of telling you, it's more like the video games, you know, Zork or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or that kind of thing. Like, it's it's just telling you in text. So, just in passing, like, that was, that's my yeah, biggest I, um, memory of BBS. I learned that about game. that game from you, um, and I played the hell out of it when I first learned about it. I think I finally got bored with it because, it, again, it was all text, and, and I had right. lots of games that were kind of more fun that were like Ultima and things like right. that, right? But I did. The reason that I got that I liked it so much was because of the fact that there were other players on there, and I could see them and interact with them, and it felt a little bit like a community. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, we, we, you don't have with, you know, when you're playing Ultima. <laughs> right. right. But it was almost like a rudimentary, massively multiplayer role-playing yeah. game, which yeah. way ahead of its time. Like, I, I wish I could find that software and, and fire well, it I'll, up. Uh, I'll dig around for you. I'm pretty good at finding stuff like that. I bet it's out there somewhere. That would be great. <laughs> I would love to fire up, like... A Commodore 128 and a couple of disk drives, or you know, just or and, even you know, an emulator or something, it, it, and just I have think, it running somewhere. Yeah, 
I think that software was probably, ooh, I'm going to do some research, but I feel like that software was probably, like, AD&DC probably wasn't the name of it. Right. Like, that was probably the name of the local one. That was, yeah. Because you know, yeah. right? this was, you know, Mansfield, Texas, where we were dialing yeah. from, so. Yeah. I'll do some research. That's a, that's that's fascinating. Maybe a, <laughs> maybe a topic for a future podcast or, maybe. you know, a Geek Pub project or something like You'll that. You'll have to like, build, a, build a BBS. <laughs> Um, okay, so so yeah, so moving on um, to the internet. The internet was when it when I first heard about it, and I probably heard about it. I don't know. I probably heard about it twenty times before I actually took the time to okay go figure out what it was, right? But I remember you know somebody saying, "Oh, this new thing called the internet." And remember, this is I want to be real clear about this. This isn't like the normal person finding about the internet. Like the normal person didn't find out about the internet till in some cases years later. Maybe early. <laughs> this is when nerds start, first started learning. Probably about the early two thousands is when the internet really started taking off and becoming a widespread oh, thing, right? Yeah, like, late nineties. It, it, it was ninety five to ninety six is when it started to really take off. Yeah, really take off. I but still but I felt was, like it was a little niche even then. But I, I it was, wrong, it but. was. But and and I was, but I was on the internet. I mean, early five years before. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so when I, as a nerd, first found out about the internet, and I think you might have already said this, Craig, at one point, but. They said, um, "Oh, you call and connect to this big network," and and I'm like, "What do you mean connect to a network? You need to connect to another computer." Like that's the first thing that went in my mind. Is right. I, I, I compared it to BBSs, exactly. and I was utterly mystified by what the internet was because I'm like, "No, two computers talk, and they could talk to other computers." Right. It just didn't compute. For and me. so the internet, it, you know, I knew what um, networks were. I knew because I had. Um, uh, what was the uh, old Novell network called? Uh, the IPX networks. Netware, Netware yeah. Mm. So I had Netware networks and all that running, and so I knew, you know, that multiple computers could all be on a network. And 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 then somebody explained to me that they said something along the lines of, all that we're doing is instead of using um, the cable running around your house, because at the time we had you know um, ThinNet, which was the coaxial cables running around your house, right? Instead of instead of having them all just running around plugged into computers, we're using the phone company network as an extension of that. And as soon as they said that to me, it was like, oh my gosh, I get it. the The phone company network is just an extension of my local network, yeah. it's, and it's this right. big network. And um, and you have multiple people calling in to this network, and so yeah. they're all connected at the same time in much the same way that the Fidonet stuff it was did. doing back in and the I day. And I have to tell you, one of the very first things, when I when it, when it clicked, and I remember this so vividly, when it clicked, I'm like, why didn't I think of this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really did. I'm like, why hasn't this been around forever? Like, why, why you know, what what happened here? How did this this escape me? And of course, when Mike and I thing? started using the internet, and I, I want to say it was around 93, 94. Oh, I no, think. it was before that. It was um, probably like 91 or 2. At least for me. I think it was around 93 when I first connected to the internet. And, of course, it was all text-based, right? I mean, there was no web... Well, if we had a web browser, we were using links, I think. Links, yep. Uh, mm. But there were very few websites to go to. Yep. Most of what we were almost doing... Almost everything was Telnet. Yeah, almost everything we were doing was Telnet. Um, and then, like, you would Telnet from one machine to another to another. You would do FTP. You would do, like, things like Finger and Gopher and yep. and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um and, and, yeah, when the web browser started to take over, especially the graphical web browser, which was probably not until, like, 1994 or 5, um, yeah. things changed a lot. The, uh, that's the thing. So so in the early days of the Internet, you would do much like you did with the BBS. You, would, it was, you were making a point-to-point -point connection over the global network. 
to another computer. Mm -hmm. And in this case, we would do Telnet and you would log into that computer and then it would have information stored on it that you could like list files or directories or sometimes it would have, you know, the equivalent of an encyclopedia or something that you could search through and those types of things. But there was no, um, you know, graphical www. Interface. Yeah, yeah, no graphical interface, no, no clicking on things. Although I know I used to use web crawler, which, uh, yeah, yeah, and, that was and, an early search engine. But that, I would use it in the text version of it. Yeah, the, a very text based. Now I used, yeah. I did use links in school at UTA. So I started uh, my long college career in 1991. Um, so sometime after that, I was in school and I used links, and there was some kind of a text based email Pine, that they were probably. still using. Pine. Pine. <laughs> yes, pine, and it was it was like green screen kind of yeah. text and stuff like that. Um, but the the first time I used the internet was actually over at a friend's house, and he had like a nice four eighty six computer or something like that, and he showed it to me, and it like took me a while to like really get like what was going on. But those are, those were like my just dabbling the experiences mm -hmm. until you helped me get the AST computer that was running Windows ninety five and. By then we had graphical Netscape interfaces, had, and, and, and then I used yeah. I used web crawler and and stuff like that. But you still had to dial into and there know. was absolutely no such thing as spam. Yes, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, actually, there was there was there was this email that people would send around saying, "If you'll send me five dollars oh. and then add your name to the bottom of the list." I guess that counts as spam. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was it. Eventually, somebody's <laughs> going to send you like a million dollars, right? Or something. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it wasn't like mass, you know, spam like like the, like we get today. Yeah. Um. In fact, I remember the very first time I got a spam. I I think we were working at AST at that point. This was like 1995 or six or something like that. And it was on my AST like my work email account because we had CC mail back then and we had no so cc mail yeah. oh my gosh and we didn't have any kind of filters or anything because like i said there was no such thing as spam and then every now and then we'd start getting these little you know nigerian scams and crap like that coming in and but it wasn't a huge problem until like you know maybe two years later and then it just yeah avalanche you know right. and that's a that's an interesting kind of tangent too that we could spend a whole podcast on but um, you know, a lot of the original connections of the internet, there was no firewalls involved yeah. at all. So you had a router. Um, if you were a commercial corporation, you had a router that was connected to a circuit that was connected to another router at the other end. And every computer on your network had wide open access to every computer on their network. Yeah. And uh, there were no firewalls. Well, <laughs> you know, there was... it, it took a while for people to go, mm, maybe that's not a good idea. And like the early days of the internet, there was no real encryption for anything. None. You know, Zero. email was all un unencrypted. All your web browsing was unencrypted. Um, you know, just everything was just completely open. You could literally like, you know, if you had access to the router in your house, you could see what everybody in your family was sending and receiving. Yeah, know, which absolutely. You... And and anything going over those lines, like, um, you know, a lot of network guys will, will, you know, about packet sniffers. And if you had a packet sniffer on a, on a telco circuit, like a T1 or something like that, you could read every single piece of data that was going across that line that those two computers were sending um, wide open in the clear. I think... It just kind of hit me, speaking of companies, I think AST was the first company I ever worked for that had a dedicated internet connection. Yeah, I, I would agree. Because I know that Mauser Electronics did not have one. Or if they did, they certainly well, didn't we let had, anybody use we it. We had dumb terminals at our desk, so we certainly would have had access to, to that. We only had access to the one specific software our login uh, gave us. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, AST was the first time I ever had a, a, a dedicated, like, you know. Now, did you guys both start at the same time, like roughly? Like a month apart or something? Wait, or so yeah. what year was like that? A couple months apart. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, you were talking about how all the computers were open and whatnot. So, as you probably remember, every single computer in every single cubicle at AST had its own IP address, like, mm-hmm. on the Internet. On the Internet. So yeah. I could actually go home and ping my computer Oh my God, that's amazing! At, at my cubicle, and even like, yeah. uh, even like, connect to like uh, the so, the sh- like the shares and stuff on my computer. So let's break that down a little bit for the <laughs> for the audience. So uh, most internet connections today are what's behind something called network address trans- translation, which means that you have a private network in your house, and then only data that traverses to the internet gets a public address. And so, so your whole household shares the shares same the public single IP. IP. That means if um, you're surfing porn, you can always blame it on your wife. That's right. If anybody <laughs> thinks that. It's really hurt because right. it's the same IP address. You know? <laughs> so in the early days of the internet, there were plenty of addresses, and so every computer or device that was on the internet was assigned a public IP address. So, and then again, we talked about earlier the fact that a lot of companies didn't even have firewalls because they didn't know that they needed such a thing back then. Um, well, and they really didn't need something and, until the hackers figured out, you know, you could do nefarious things and, and stuff. But anyway, so yeah, so so your work computer. Um, could be sitting at your desk with a public IP address and you could go home. And if you knew that IP address, you could connect to it and download files or whatever you wanted to do. And you didn't take the computer with you because most likely it was a big tower having the floor. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It wasn't a laptop or a phone or right. anything like that. So, Yeah, yeah man, that, that brings back brings back a lot of memories, a lot of memories. And and the same thing, like all the printers at AST, and again, this stuff, while we worked there, a lot of this stuff changed. They put firewalls in and some things like that, right? But I remember um, the printers there, um, you could send, like if you knew the, and because and, there wasn't an internet protocol printing back then, so you had to do it over SMB, and there's a couple of tricks you had to do, but you, if you knew how to do it, you could actually send a print job from your house yep. to, your, mm. to your office printer. <laughs> Yep, I think I heard of people doing that. I think when you guys were working at AST, I was still waiting tables. So the, there was no need for internet at that. I was I was going to spill wine on you regardless of whether we were Yeah, whether you connected to the internet or not. Yeah. So, but I think yeah, I'm pretty sure AST is the first first company I where I would like could sit at my desk and access the internet like all day long if I wanted to and um, that was uh, that was really really exciting time in, in my life. I don't so is this like around ninety four? This 96? would have been ninety four. Uh, okay. When I went to work for AST, yeah. All right. Yeah, and AST had already been at their peak and were on their way yeah. down when I went to work there. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for listening to the Geek Bits podcast. We are on YouTube if you want to watch us on video. We are available on all of the um, syndicated networks. So if you want to find us on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, all of those, we're there. See you in the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs>